You are listening to the Sojourn Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to view a video version of this message, please visit our website, sojournchurch.org. Today, uh, as I said, I want to explore how we can position ourselves uh, so that joy can make a difference, not just in our lives, but through our lives. How we become dispensers, distributors, brokers, advocates of this joy of God. So the first thing is we need to receive God as the God of joy. We spoke about that. So the question is, are you receiving him as the God of joy? And let's look at some more scripture that reminds us of this. Acts 2.28. Acts 2.28. It's familiar to us, but Acts 2.28 in the Amplified says this. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will enrapture me, diffusing my soul with joy, with and in your presence. Fullness of joy is found in his presence, in him. So he's in the business of diffusing our soul, of, of, of imprinting that joy, his joy in us. So we get to receive him as the God of joy. That's the first thing. And um, the words of Jesus in John 15, 9, I visited this last time also, but I think it's really important. John 15, 9, as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. It's a pretty amazing promise. So Jesus is revealing his intent to us here. Not only that joy would remain, but that joy would be, joy would be what? Full. Remember I said last time, joy can be measured then. If Jesus says you can be full of joy, then joy in our lives can be measured. And if we can be full, we can be empty. But if joy has nothing to do with our circumstances and everything to do with him, then there's an endless supply for us. We don't have to wait until everything lines up in our lives, but we can access joy no matter what season we're in. And I know for some of you, you're saying you don't know what I'm walking through or what I've walked through, and I really understand. I don't think there's a person in this room to some degree or another that hasn't walked through difficulty. If you're living, breathing, I can pinch you and you're gonna scream. You've walked through some tough things. It's everybody. But I really wanna break that lie that joy is only available to you when things are good and things line up. Okay, it's really important that we catch this. I'm, I'm repeating that so, you, so that we can really catch it. Okay, because joy is, is for us, but it's not just for us. There is a fight over joy in our own lives, but that's so that you can grow into to be everything that is created you to be, not just a joy receiver, but a joy distributor. And that's where we're going. That's what we're exploring today. We, uh, we have to, he wants us to be an encounter so that we can be an encounter wants us to have an encounter with joy so that we can be an encounter of joy, okay? Um, 1 Peter 1, 1.8, though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled, and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Filled. Now, I love getting into the word of God because it helps me to see where I am and where I'm not, right? When I read that, it says I'm to be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. There's just some days that I just don't feel that way. 
right? But if joy has nothing to do with my circumstances or how I feel and everything to do with the amazing supply from my father just being himself, then I can access and I can find it again. So all of, all of these scriptures, all we've talked about so far, reveals God's intention for us. He's the God of joy and he wants us to be people of joy, okay? So if we're sure then that God's a God of joy, how do we position ourselves to be those that are distributors of it? Um, Matthew 28 is an interesting passage. I'm not going to go there, but Matthew 28 says we're to be disciples of nations. It says go and make disciples of nations. It doesn't say go make disciples of people. It says disciple nations. That's a big task. We disciple nations one person at a time. But there are those that we're around that think about what it means to disciple nations. Think about it. The economies, the market systems, government, education, arts and entertainment, news media, creativity, all those things. What, is, what does it mean to disciple nations through those things? We're, we're, we're called to big things. Don't, don't think small. Don't live small. Those of you that are watching online, don't live little. Created big. So if we're called to disciple nations, we, we, we need enough for us and enough to give away in a big, big capacity, right? Um, and as believers, we're designed to live in contrary to much of culture, right? We're, we're not to live in unreality or, or and unable to relate, but we're, we're to model something that is otherworldly. That's the whole point of being those that carry the kingdom. We get to model something that is not of this world, that is otherworldly, that looks different, that couldn't be functioning unless it was from another dimension. What if he wants to give us the kind of joy that people look at us and say, that person couldn't be joyful unless it was from heaven, it was from another dimension, it was otherworldly. What if we've just modeled a human level of joy so that the world and those don't know him just think that we're just like them or in fact not as joyful as them. There's great vast proportions of the church that don't model and I include myself in this at times, not pointing any fingers that don't model this massive joy that's available to us. In fact, much of the world just don't think that this is the place they're gonna come for any joy. Not here, but the church in general. Sojourn naturally, you do a great job of manifesting the joy. You hear what I'm saying? It's a big, there's, there's something more at stake here. I remember the first time I met a joyful and a powerful Christian. I'd met Christians, but I'd never met a joyful and a powerful Christian. And that person was the very person that introduced me to Jesus and unlocked everything for me because I had respect and I had, they had something that I didn't have. They were both joyful and powerful. I'd met powerful Christians and they weren't joyful. I met joyful Christians and they had no power. But when I met a joyful and powerful Christian, it changed everything for me. That's who you created to be. That's good. Okay. Okay, so in light of God's intention for joy to live through us, uh, how do we come distributors? The first thing is we get to ask ourselves courageous questions. Do you want to be a joy distributor? Do you want to be a joy distributor? Okay, you have to get yourself, you have to, you will ask yourself courageous questions, sorry. You get to ask yourself courageous questions. And the first one is this. What is my capacity for joy? What is my capacity for joy? That's the first courageous question you get to ask yourself. And I get to ask myself, what is my capacity for joy? What do I, I mean by that? How big is your joy container in general in your life? How much room is there for God to fill out of his endless supply to fill your joy container? Do you have a capacity for joy? If not, why not? 
If yes, then why? And what, what, what does he want us to do about it? So these are some things to pray about and some things to dialogue with Father about over the next few weeks. It's the first question. The second question is, what is my ability to receive joy? Those are two different questions. I can, I can wrap gifts for you and hand them to you all day long, but if you don't receive them, then I'm just a joy giver. You're not a joy, joy receiver. You're not a gift receiver. So your capacity to receive is different from your ability to hold it. So you have to ask yourself, I'm, do I know how to receive joy? If not, why not? If yes, then why? And what does he want me to do about it? Got really serious in here for a second. Joy is a serious business. It was definitely a British person that said that, C.S. Lewis. <laughs> Who else but a Brit would say joy is serious business? I don't know. We need to work on that. We need to help them. Look, it's certainly ironic to me that I released a, bo a book on joy in the middle of 2020. I mean, uh, <laughs> it certainly wasn't my idea. I would be like, can we push this off to next year? I think it would be much better. But, um, but maybe this is just when we need it. So what's my capacity, Joy? What's my ability to receive? The third courageous question you get to ask yourself is what is depleting my joy? What is depleting my joy? What's siphoning off my joy? And some of those things we can be in control of and some of those things we can't be. What you are in control of, talk to the Father about what he wants you to do about it. My suspicion is it's probably an adjustment in me and an adjustment in you. Right? <laughs> Some people are nodding on the front row. I'm agreeing with them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Some people that know are saying, usually an adjustment in us. Um, but then there, there's some other things that are depleting our joy that, that we can do something about. So I, I've presented those questions to you because of this. Sometimes we can put joy off into a category where we think it's everything to do with God and nothing to do with us. And although the source is totally him, uh, we can lean in or lean out of joy intentionally. So those courageous questions were for you. So yes, that the source is there. And, and, I, and the question is not that we won't have joy because I think joy is available to us as, as believers um, because of the spirit that lives in us. The question is not will we have joy. The question is how much of it will we have? And will we have enough for us and will we have enough to give away? Because if we're going to change lives, we're going to influence the sphere that God has given us, whether it's our home, our family, our school, our workplace, our extended family, the business that we own, the, the market that we work in. If we're going to influence those arenas with joy, if we're going to disciple nations, let's take it further, then we're going to have to have more joy than we've lived in before. And it's available to us. Is that okay? And we get to make adjustments. Okay, so firstly, if we want to be distributors of joy or, or position ourselves to be greater distributors of joy, then we get to ask ourselves courageous questions. That's the first thing. Secondly, we get to upgrade our lenses, the lenses that we look at life through. And what, what do I mean by this? Just all of us wear glasses that we look at life through. And some of those lenses are um, helpful and healthy and some of those lenses are not. And I believe we all have areas that we look at life healthily and not so healthily. So we get to look at the life through different lenses. The first lens that I suggest we put on is the lens of thinking redemptively. What do I mean by that? 
Um, this is looking at things and, and, and people and situations uh, in their redeemed identity. Looking at them as God looks at them, looking at them as according to their God-given potential, looking at situations according to the God-given potential. Jesus did this with every one of the disciples. You think about their journey as he called them and he related to them. All of them were not joy distributors when he met them. Most of them were frustrated, had questions, were just getting on with life. The fishermen, they were just fishing, catching fish. But there was more that he invited them into and he, he, he identified and he worked with and he related to each one of them in their redeemed identity. So you're no longer going to be fishermen, but fishers of men. He, he spoke new identities to them. He gave them new names, right? He changed most of their names. So that's what he's doing with us. We get to, we, we've been looked at in that way and we get to look at life through a redemptive lens. So if you're not looking at the situation around, if you are not looking at 2020 through a redemptive lens, let's put it on. Doesn't mean that we say, it doesn't mean again that we, we are unable to relate to reality. I'm not saying, hey, 2020, nothing's going on. We look firmly and squarely at the reality of a situation, but we get to put a redemptive lens between us and that situation so that we can look at it redemptively. So begin thinking redemptively. Secondly, carry a transformational perspective. What do I mean by this? Look at people, things, or situations through the possibility of transformation. Again, Jesus did this everywhere he went. He looked at things, situations, people that were in dire straits and he brought transformative reality to their lives. Scripture's full, I don't have time, and we can find hundreds of situations that um, live between the seeming impossibility and what God has promised. And they're caught between those things. They're caught between the tension of, 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 of difficulty and darkness and what God has promised. And we have to put that, that lens of transformation in between every situation that we're faced with. So think redemptively, think transformationally. What's the third one? Anticipate upgrades from God, a lens of anticipating upgrades. Sounds such a contemporary term, but it's all over scripture. That's all that God does. God relates to his people in his ability to upgrade us. Beauty for ashes, it's everywhere. So I want us to jump into Isaiah 61 as we just continue on this. Are you with me? Let's continue on this as we just look at how to best position ourselves to be distributors of joy. I want to jump into Isaiah 61. This became Jesus' job description in Luke 4, and it really captures all of these thoughts that we've talked about, thinking redemptively, looking at upgrades, um, thinking transformationally. Isaiah 61.3 and verse 7. I'm going to read it in the Amplified because uh, it just has some really great thoughts in there. So Isaiah 61, verse 3 and verse 7. So God has come, it says, to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion, to give them an ornament, a garland or diadem of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. It's what he's come to give us. The garment expressive, <laughs> of praise instead of a heavy, burdened, and failing spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God. It's who you are. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Instead of your former shame, 
you shall, shall have a twofold recompense. Instead of dishonor and reproach, your people shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in, they in their land, they shall possess double what they had forfeited. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. That's a lot of transformation, a lot of upgrade, and a lot of joy. A friend of mine likes to say that passage says you get double for your trouble. A double portion of everything you'd forfeited. You forfeited some things this year. And this is not just a feel-good, mind-over-matter, positive-thinking message. This is just plugging us into the reality of the kingdom of God, of God just being himself in joy, who he wants to be for us, and then who he wants to move through us. But verse 4 when I saw this, this excited me so much. So we've, we're, we're those who are receivers of all those amazing things that we just read about. Then he says, our identity is oaks of righteousness, that you yourself will display God's glory because of what he's done in your life. And then verse four, and this hit me like a freight train when, the, when I read it. It said, and they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That is joy distribution. It's more than just having a, a sense of humor on Monday morning, and I'll take a sense of humor on Monday morning. But if you're called to disciple nations, you're called to make a difference. This is joy distribution, rebuilding, renewing, and restoring. See those three words, rebuild, renew, and restore. This is thinking transformationally. This is thinking upgrades. And I said it last time, I'll say it again. Maintaining personal joy, although crucial, is not the final aim. It's not the boundary that God intended for joy when he released it to us. Uh, personal joy brings personal transformation. But there's a joy that he wants resident, resident in us that will bring cultural transformation. Yeah. Societal transformation. That's the kind of joy that I want to get plugged into. So the, the, very nature, the, very, the very clue and the very point of a giver living in us so that we become also givers and distributors. It's the whole point. Okay, thirdly, how to better position ourselves to be distributors of joy. Um, I just want to say this. Simply begin to engage in being a joy catalyst. Simply, simply go on an adventure with God. Just begin to release the joy that's inside of you. Um, steward the joy on the inside of you. I've been talking about a lot about it, that joy is available to you. Just begin to talk with the Father about what it looks like in your own personal life to steward the joy that is available to you and living in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just begin to talk with the Father. Even if it's saying, and I've been there, hey, I'm not doing a great job of cooperating and leaning into and accessing and and working with this joy that's supposed to be on the inside of me. In fact, I don't feel like there's any joy on the inside of me. God, help me with this because the problem's not with you. And you begin to talk with, begin to press in, begin to work with him and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you because he will speak to you because he wants you to live in this joy more than you do. Right? And so we want to steward joy on the inside and then we get to leak. So talk to him about stewarding joy on the inside and then just begin to go on a joy adventure with God and begin to leak. Look for opportunities. Look for opportunities to be a joy distributor. Uh, where are you prompted and led by the Holy Spirit? 
So when you encounter the opposite, when you encounter the defeated, when you encounter the disenfranchised, when you encounter the discouraged, when you encounter a situation that's in discouragement, when you encounter a personal situation that wants to move you into disillusionment, and you put your lenses on, I'm gonna think redemptively, I'm gonna think transformationally, I'm gonna think upgrades, I'm gonna realize that my God of joy, my Father of joy lives in me and who does he wanna be for me in this situation? Look for opportunities and respond to him. We're not making something happen, we're leaning into what's already available to us. Is that all right? And so this, this opportunity leaking his joy, it might look supernatural. It might look supernatural. Remember we talked about the man, that the cripple that was healed that went, that went um, leaping and jumping and praising God? Um, Jesus demonstrated that Father's joy, as we've said. Mark 16, 17, this is the supernatural release of the kingdom and of joy. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Maybe this distribution of joy looks just, just like Jesus did with the miraculous. And you pray for someone that is suffering from depression and you see the joy of God soaking to them and that heaviness lift. Maybe you break the power of a spirit of depression and oppression that's been over someone. Maybe you release healing over them, something that's kept them weighed down and suddenly that disease and sickness is broken off their life and they get to walk in the full 4K HD bandwidth of heaven. That's what you get to do. That's who you get to be. And maybe uh, we get to leak more practically, give this joy away more practically. Um, I want to share a couple of stories here for you. While I was writing this book, I was in the middle of actually writing the chapter that talked about this, how we cooperate practically with distributing joy. And a friend of mine in another state posted online um, a story of a friend of his. It was a single mom, she's a Christian, working as a waitress to try and make ends meet. And uh, he posted the story that she had been faced with a large table of difficult customers as a waitress. And she tried her best, but nothing that she could do was working for them. They were just difficult. And their gift to her was um, a tiny tip, tiny, tiny tip on the bill, um, and a tract inviting her to their church. <laughs> followed by such a hefty complaint to her manager that she was fired. And uh, my friend uh, said, you know, um, I've just set up a, a Venmo account here for her. And just, if any of you feel like just responding to this, hey, here's the link, why don't you just respond? And I was reading that and I thought, you know, um, you could go on a, a social media rant about this. You could get discouraged about how horrible other Christians are. I could feel self-righteous to hide and would never do anything like that. <laughs> how terrible for the people that did. But you know, something, an invitation rose up in me. It was interesting. I was writing about joy, but an invitation, it was sort of like a show and tell from the Holy Spirit to me personally. He said, just watch this. And at, the more I began to think about responding to that, the more sense of excitement I had on the inside of me. The more sense of joy began to grow in me as I just thought, we could just sideswipe this woman with such a massive gift of love that it would change everything for her. You know, like darkness loves to sideswipe us, this is an opposite sideswipe from God. This is how we get to leak. This is an opposite sideswipe from God where he, he just releases joy. And so hundreds of people responded to this 
Some people paid the whole tip. Some people gave her the whole bill. And it was $51 or something. Some people sent her, some, some people sent her more. But she was absolutely overwhelmed. And, and I responded and did something. And I'm not saying that to say how heroic I was. But just, just to tell you, there was an afterglow of joy that, that stayed with me for a couple of days. Every time I thought about it, I just smiled. Because she wrote, she wrote a note back to me saying, I cannot believe in my wildest dreams the responses of the church to this. I was so discouraged that, that some Christians would treat me so horribly and fire me and give me a tiny tip and invite me to their church. <laughs> and now the body of Christ have sideswiped me with, with love. So this is a practical way to religion. It's beautiful, actually. And these acts of kindness are growing in culture. They've been around for a few years. Um, so it can be supernatural. It can be very practical. Um, about more than uh, 20, probably 25 years ago, um, we were on a mission trip in the Philippines, and it's where Shireen and I got engaged, actually. It was a sweet time. But um, she said yes. <laughs> and she still likes me. It's, that's a miracle of joy. No. Um, um, we were in the Philippines as uh, part of a youth group. We were much, much younger then. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but in the Philippines, there are huge trash mountains um, that uh, go for several square miles. And, and one day we were visiting the trash mountains to, to minister to the people that were there. Uh, I received more ministry from that whole situation than I think I ever gave away. But um, we, we came to the trash mountain. There's miles and miles of trash. It, it just really looks like, um, you know, what would be in your kitchen trash can just poured out uh, mountains of it. And there's children, some of them three years old, rummaging through, and they're actually scavenging to, to get things to sell. So they repurpose trash, and that's how they live. And we walked up on the trash mountain, and there was a, there was a house, a makeshift house made with sticks and plastic. And a lady came out, and she lived there. And she talked with us, and she invited us in. She wanted us to go in and, and, and have a drink with her, tea or something. And we sort of politely... Um, refuse that or, or turn that invitation down just because, you know, you can't handle that as a Westerner <laughs> for all practical reasons I won't go into. There are braver people than me on mission trips that would have gone in there and drank it. We did not. But we did talk with her for a long time. We did, and I salute you. Um, <laughs> we, did, uh, we did talk with her for a while and, um, and what she didn't know and what I didn't know, my pastor that was with me, he prayed and asked the Holy Spirit in the morning uh, how much cash he was supposed to take with him. And the Holy Spirit whispered him an amount. It was several hundred dollars. And he just slipped it in his belt, in his money belt. And um, as the conversation went on, he asked this lady, is there anything that in the world that you could have that you don't have? I mean, it's a, it's a ludicrous question in a way because you didn't have anything. And I was thinking, okay, well, where is he going with this? And um, she was very embarrassed. She talked through an interpreter and she opened her mouth and I realized I hadn't seen her smile. She opened her mouth and 90% of her teeth were missing. And she said, I really want my smile back. She said, I've just lost my teeth over the years and it's the most infuriating thing, makes me so insecure. This is a lady that's living on a trash heap. And she said, I want my smile back. That will tell you something about human dignity. And he said, well, how much would this cost? And she gave an amount. And funnily enough, it was the exact amount that he had in his, in his pocket. 
And I didn't know, and she didn't know, and he didn't know. And so we handed her over, I, I was 700 and something dollars. It, was, it wasn't a small amount. And, and he handed that over, and, and, I, and I know this man, and, and in my natural mind, I was thinking he's crazy. I mean, she's not gonna buy teeth with that 700 and something dollars. <laughs> but I was young and naive, and, I, and I, I saw the Holy Spirit in the moment. It was so beautiful, and he, and he just said private to, privately to me, he probably wouldn't even like me telling this story publicly, but privately he said, you know, I asked Holy Spirit how much, and that's the exact amount. We were all kind of excited, what's God gonna do? So again, he just sideswiped her with joy. And there's a, there's a million ways you can sideswipe someone with joy. It's not about giving them something. And um, about a year later, we had uh, something come in snail mail. Now, for those of you that are under 18, snail mail is it's a piece of paper. You write on it, it uses words, and you write things on it, and people take it and they deliver it places, and it comes to your house called a letter, and it's amazing. And um, this letter came to her, and um, this letter came to us, to my pastor, and he showed us all, and it was a picture of her with her smile. Yeah. She was grinning the most massive, incredible, look how good God is smile that you've ever imagined. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment. He was a distributor of joy. Um, it's really, really good. I'm just gonna finish off here, but um, one of the things that we do personally is, some of you know this, some of you don't, but we, we've worked for 25 years with the underground church in Iran, the persecuted church. There's some incredible things. We hear incredible stories from them about Jesus' appearing to them in dreams and visions. Jesus is releasing massive stories of healing. Um, he appears to them in their rooms. But at the same time, they go through incredible persecution and trouble. But they are some of the most contagiously joyful people that I've ever been around in my life. Their joy is contagious to me, is contagious, was contagious, and will continue to be contagious. But um, one of the things we do is release the worship that you experience here. We record it and release it on satellite TV into homes in the Middle East. And it goes straight directly into homes. And that's the one, of, one of the ways that Shireen and I personally want to be distributors of joy into one of the darkest nations. It's really, really amazing and really exciting. And some of the feedback we get makes it worth it makes it worth it so you too can, can leak and distribute joy. It's an amazing thing. If you want to know more about that, um, uh, visit soundforgers.org, S-O-U-N-D-F-O-R-G-E-R-S, soundforgers.org, and you see what we're doing there. So my final thought for today on how we can become more effective distributors of joy is this. Cultivate a culture of joy around your life. Begin to cultivate a culture of joy around your life. So we get to ask ourselves courageous questions. We get to put on new lenses. We get to go on adventures with God where we are joy distributors. And then we get to think about what it means to cultivate an actual culture of joy around our lives. And really that's what this book is about. And how does that happen? The joy that's inherent in God himself, sealed forever on the inside of us by the spirit, it creates an inward reality of joy in us if we'll let it which causes us to develop core values and a lifestyle of joy, which will actually create environments and cultures of joy in your family, in your workplace, everywhere you go. So uh, really exciting, really exciting. This is an arise and shine moment for the church. It's an arise and shine moment for you and me personally. Let's just pray.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Father, I want to thank you for the permanent invitation to us, the permanent invitation to receive and to live in massive places of joy that we've not experienced before. Father, I just say there are places in you that we haven't experienced and we say we want to experience them. God, we want to experience you as the God of joy and we want to experience, therefore, your joy in measures and dimensions that we've not tasted before. Father, we say we thank you that it's available. We thank you that, Lord, you have made this kingdom available to us, that for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. For the greater yes, you said yes to the cross, Jesus, and you have made accessible to us the, the massively transformational joy that's available in the Father to be sealed on the inside of us. So I want to say that to you. You are those that have been sealed with the, with the massively transformational joy of your heavenly Father. It lives on the inside of you. And it's no longer time to hide it, but it's time to let it do its work in you. So I just speak over you that you are those that are letting the joy of God do its work on the inside of you like never before. You are those that are asking yourself courageous questions. You're going to be thinking redemptively, looking for upgrades, removing that which is siphoning your joy, cooperating in brand new ways with the joy of God and this wonderful God of joy. So I just release it over you and I just say arise and shine. It's an arise and shine moment that you are those that are going to begin to say yes to the invitation the divine invitation that's here in 2020, the divine invitation that's here every year that's coming and that we'll meet whatever comes with the answers from heaven. We'll meet whatever comes with the joy of our wonderful, loving, amazingly transformational Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sojourn Church Podcast. For more messages or content similar to this, please visit our website. If you would like to support our ministry, please visit the first link in the show description or visit sojournchurch.org give.